And a bit of a quiet start to free agency for the Indianapolis Colts. We're back. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley, early on a Thursday morning. Cue the news breaking as soon as this uh, <laughs> recording ends. So we'll, we'll try to get through it somewhat efficiently today. And then I have a feeling we will be back relatively soon for another Kevin's Corner. But, Chris, we wanted to wait a little bit just to get the news cycle going. It's uh, kind of one of those slow hamster wheels. Mm-hmm. So far for the Colts, I didn't expect gobs of activity. I thought we'd see a little bit more than we've seen so far. Uh, we'll get into the news. Marlon Mack, Jacoby Brissett, Danico Autry. I think those are the three big things we've seen so far. Um, the T.Y. Hilton stuff I, I don't believe is super imminent, but like I've said all along, I, I think there's a real possibility he does come back. Um, so we'll see how that plays out, of course. And... Um, I would say an antsy group of Twitter questions. Is that uh, fair? Oh yeah, uh, to say the least. Okay, antsy is um, a great word for it. Yeah, they um, they are a little bit fired up, a little bit riled up, which uh, perfectly um, acceptable because we love fandom and we embrace fandom on this podcast. So we'll definitely hit on those um, to start. And um, first off, man, how you doing? I guess I should get there. This is a it's a fun week, fun couple a, weeks. It is a fun couple weeks here you know, in Indianapolis Madness, yeah. and. Uh, I hope everything goes off without a glitch, and I'm excited for our city. As am I, uh, and it's and it's fun. I, I liked a couple years ago when they expanded it to the first four. You know, you, you kind of, even though I loved watching the 16s and those those small programs finally get in, and, and great for those programs, it is nice to see a Michigan State versus UCLA day one heading into into the tournament. Yeah, that's so, a juicy playing game. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a game of like which coach scowls the most on the sideline when <laughs> wins that ball game. So, yeah, it's fun. Downtown's buzzing. I mean, it sucks a little bit for those guys to have to be stuck in their room. It would be fun to see them kind of out and about a little bit more. But there is a noticeable difference when you get downtown. You know this, Kevin. Yeah. When you park the car and you're just out in the atmosphere, there's a noticeable buzz. Yeah, it was great just even driving by Georgia Street yesterday and seeing mm-hmm. that and you know close down and, and realizing that. Um, after today, the weather should get a little bit better, and, and we'll have people out and about and enjoying March Madness. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it, man. Yeah, so uh, we didn't get out the gates very quickly, but a couple teams within our division definitely did when you look at Jacksonville and Tennessee. What are your thoughts on their, those signings early on? Yeah, you know, Jacksonville, um, you go 1-15, you have the most cap space in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I would hope that you spend it. So they are doing that. Um, you know, Tennessee-wise, a little bit up and down. Obviously, the Bud Dupree signing is a big headliner. Danico Autry, it's so funny. He, he's just torn up the Titans, so it made a lot of sense that uh, he would find a home in Tennessee. I think he's got some Mike Vrabel toughness to him as well. And I, I know the Colts wanted to bring him back. We'll get into that Autry signing here in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, specifically with the Colts, and I guess we should preface everything by saying we are recording this at 8.30 a.m. on Thursday morning. Things can change. Guys can get cut. Um, who knows? This is very fluid, but we are recording this podcast like it's real time. And my thoughts right now in real time is I do believe the Colts missed an opportunity to seriously address the edge rush. Um, I, I felt like that was the position we talked about so often with free agency. And I've kind of penciled left tackle in for the draft. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the needs, we clearly ranked left tackle. An edge rusher, kind of one and one a, and I again, I could listen to people that would say um, edge rusher might mean even more. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll go there, but I, I totally can put it on the same line. Um, I think something that, based off Colts Twitter right now, that we really need to try and drive home, Chris, is this: Should we be surprised by how Chris Bauer has operated through the first seventy-two hours of legal tampering now into the new league year? No, like this is kind of Ballard's M.O. This is how he goes about business. But you can still question the lack of activity. That is perfectly fine. And again, I, I, I feel like we are just in this weird predicament based off the Colts in that you either sit here and you're like, nope, Ryan Grigson spent, and so you should never spend in free agency. And Chris Ballard doesn't spend, and that's how you should go about business. Personally, I think you find a happy medium. I probably side a little bit more with Ballard's uh, frugal nature to it, but I think you are incredibly naive and ignorant, to be honest, if you look at free agency and refuse to attack the early stages 
of that because it is an avenue to supplement your roster. Is it an avenue to roster build? No. I think roster building occurs through the draft. But you cannot tell me that the early stages of free agency doesn't offer the potential Mm -hmm. to get a piece or two that can be an impactful player for your football team. And I guess that's where I probably disagree with with Chris, um, not you, uh, with, with, with Chris Ballard and how he has gone about things. And again, specifically this year, I don't have, you know, I was never one that was like, stand on the table and you got to go give Allen Robinson 20 million or, you know, you got to pay Xavier Rhodes, whatever it is going to be. I mean, sure, if the right price is there, you bring him back. For me, it really came down to pass rush. Yeah. Because I just felt like you had this opportunity, and there are still a couple names out there, but all these names are now second tier, third tier names. And folks, we are in the second wave of free agency. Just because the new league year is only, you know, 12 <laughs> hours old. I mean, there's been like 100 players, 150 players that have signed yeah. contracts. We are into that second wave. But, Chris, I really want to focus on edge rush because this year you had a very unique group that hit the open market. Um, sure, there were some guys that were franchise tag, but still, you had some guys that got to the open market and from an age, from a performance, from a skill set group, that doesn't happen every year. And I think when you've missed on that position in the draft, coupled with you only have two premium draft picks this year, I looked at free agency this year and thought, commit resources to that position in a significant manner. Um, And I think that's what really we have to focus on here is, again, when you've missed in the draft and now you look ahead to late April and you don't have the extra second-round pick. Mm -hmm. You don't even have that third-round pick. And we still talk about a need at left tackle. And I also want to get to the draft, Chris, and I don't want to sit here and be like, and again, as of right now, we are sitting here looking at it. Oh, wow. That first round pick has to go to left tackle, and that second round has to go to edge rush, or flip it. You know, right? Whatever. But like, okay, what happens if at twenty one some stud falls at a different position? Now you're kind of in a tough boat of of the route that you go down. So, um, I think that's where I'm at. Um, it shows you how, and we've talked about it later in the year, how much the passing offense in the NFL truly means when left tackle and defensive end. Is so is so viable because early in the year, I remember pulling up a, a tweet and, and sending it to you. How many different running backs were going to hit the open right. market? And it was like, holy shit, look at all these names. Not many of those guys have moved, and the ones that have have signed very small deals. It's all the edge rush, and now those guys are gone. Yeah, no, it it, it certainly is. Um, I think that like, again, people are so scared of free agency. And I don't know if, like, again, the Ryan Grigson tenure has scarred people from it. And I think we can all sit here and have a very mature look at free agency. And like I was saying earlier, the bulk of your roster building comes through the draft. And free agency should mostly be used to find supplemental pieces. And Chris has done a really nice job of that. Again, I'm not sitting here acting like Chris Boward's approach to free agency is idiotic. No, no, no. I get it. But I think your 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 approach to roster building and roster construction, I think it has to evolve. What it was in 2017, there can be slight tweaks when you get to 2021. Like revamping a defense versus now where you're at, the cap situation you're at, the draft pick situation you're at, there can be slight tweaks. And I felt like a tweak for this offseason, given what was available, should have been to aggressively pursue one of those top-flight edge rushers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an extremely lazy narrative, and boy, I saw the national media vulturing yesterday. It was like Schefter, Rappaport, within like two minutes of each other, both of them tweeting about the extensions the Colts have coming up. That was going to be my next question for you, yeah. For um, Quentin Nelson and and Darius Leonard and even Braden Smith as well. And and I think one thing, Chris, uh, that we should mention as well, the, the Quentin Nelson extension does not need to happen this offseason, Quentin Nelson is playing in year four of a rookie contract that is four years guaranteed, mm-hmm. and sure. then you have a fifth-year team option for 2022. I think a lot of people know this, but I just want to clarify because, again, if you follow past precedent with Chris Boward, and I totally get this, I think Darius Linder and Braden Smith deserve extensions, but they're really the only two that need them in the contract year. And technically, they don't need them. Like, you could wait, but 
They're deserving of them. And I totally understand why Chris Ballard operates in the way that he does with extending your own. And those two unquestionably have worked and performed to the point where they need contract extensions. So fine. You can give those two guys extensions and still make a notable move. This is where, again, Rapport and Schefter just immediately get this information and boom, they're right there posting it. And I'm like, folks, 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 that's that's not 100% accurate. Like, does the extensions for those two guys, does it take down your cap space a little bit? Yes, but in no way, shape, or form does it make you not have the ability to sign a higher-level player. So is that coming from our front office to those guys? I would assume, again, it's a little bit anti-Colts to, like, grab the national media like that and and, and really (laughs) get a stranglehold on them. And I found it odd that it happens almost simultaneously that Schefter and Rappaport are both doing it. And, of course, it, it, you know, when it happened, there was a lot of, at least a lot of conversation, it felt like, why are the Colts not doing more? So, you know, it seemed, you know, to add up there – and, and, again, Chris Ballard's general approach to free agency and the cap has allowed the Colts to be flexible. It's allowed them to make a move for DeForest Buckner. So I, I get it. I am a fan of his overall approach. But I'm not a fan of making tweaks, the lack of him making tweaks to it. Um, I think that's an issue. And I look at the playoff teams from last season. And you look at the final four, and so much of their edge rush group, pass rush group, is not homegrown talent. It's free agents. It's trades. It's a Shaq Barrett free agent signing. Right. Dominican Sue free agent signing. It's a trade for Frank Clark. It's the Smith brothers in Green Bay, two free agent signings. You have two f- former Colts free agents in Buffalo, in Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. I guess Hughes being a, a trade and then a re-signing for them. But that's what I'm getting at is it's a very difficult position to draft and find instant impact. And so I think you have to build your roster and further bolster your roster might be the better phrase to use in other avenues. And that's where I think um, so far that's been my one gripe with how this offseason has has operated. Do you think the salary cap and a lot of players taking one- to two-year deals waiting for those bigger contracts helped or hurt the Colts this season? Um, I don't think really either way. I mean, the, the, the Colts are in a very good cap situation. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit, but honestly, Chris, I look at some of those edge rush contracts that some of those guys signed and they weren't as crazy as I thought, you know, that you're used to in the first wave of free agency. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them you look at, and you're like, what the hell? I mean, and a lot of people look at the Trey Hendrickson contract in Cincinnati. That one kind of jumps off the page. But, boy, I thought a lot of them were pretty manageable. Um, so I guess that is kind of another thing that, that – Yeah. Oh, wow. Those aren't just the crazy – you're paying you know A money for B players, B money for, for C players. And, and, I, and I totally understand you, you don't buy a locker room. Sure. Yes, and that's a famous you know, kind of Chris Ballard quote. You don't buy it, but you can buy another piece or two to get you over the hump. And, you know, if you're comparing yourself to that Tampa D-line, which we just watched torment the Super Bowl, and you look at, again, the free agent signings of the two teams, a Danico Autry-Justin Houston pair versus a Shaq Baird and Dominican Sue pair, folks, we all watch the Super Bowl. I don't think any of us are sitting on the couch saying, oh, they paid too much for Shaq Barrett. Oh, they t- paid too much for Dominican Sue. The yeah. Colts got better deals. And the Colts were frugal, and that's going to pay off. Once that ball snapped, I mean, we very rarely say that's not a $20 million player. It's like, all right, can you perform or not? And um, I do, again, I do think that's uh, that's been a mistake so far early in this free agency period. Any other free agency thoughts, or should we jump into a great deal that I feel like we got in the backfield? No, um, I, I just think that I wanted to get kind of an overview of, of my feelings, you know, so far through 72 hours. You know, I'm not a big kind of uh, – get on Twitter and express my thoughts. Right. You know, human, I, I try to save it for the podcast. I want people to come to this podcast and feel like they're getting something out of it and not just hearing me rehash tweets. Right. And so that's I've kind of been waiting for this. And like I said earlier, Chris, it is March 18th. It is Thursday morning. We know Chris has made signings and made moves at different parts of the month of March. 
but I do think we all can look at the edge rush group and realize, hmm, that group's starting to dry up really a little bit more than a lot of other positions. Yeah. So. And Colts fans, and especially our listeners, need to be happy that we're recording today because, like you mentioned, we have a very good history of the last couple of weeks of right after this bad oh, boy yeah. is recorded, yeah. there's some news that breaks. Right. T.Y. Hilton back to the Colts at 10.32 <laughs> Eastern yeah. time. I, I can just see it now. So No, I I, I want to get that out of the way, and let's, let's jump into the other moves. All right. Well, the notable signing and one that came back at a, at a very reasonable contract was Marlon Mack on one of those one-year deals, like we mentioned, for $2 million. And you had alluded to it. You felt like there was something maybe there with the fact that he was still in Indy rehabbing. Yeah, and I, I absolutely love this move, Chris, for, for both parties. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, Marlon Mack still rehabbing that Achilles here in Indianapolis. Uh, but even before that, you know, I, I feel like so many people were like, oh, no, Marlon Mack's going to go elsewhere. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's pump the brakes here a little bit. First off, the Colts need to do something at running back. Like, nothing crazy, but something. And this is something, clearly. But also, it makes a lot of sense for Marlon Mack to come back here. He just turned 25 last week. It's a one-year deal. And as long as he stays healthy, like, Marlon Mack just needs to stay healthy this year. Right. It, he doesn't need to go rush for 1,000 yards. If he stays healthy and he averages, whatever, four and a half behind this O-line, next year he gets three years and 15 million, 18 million. I, I don't know. We're throwing out numbers. But he can still cash in in a very nice manner and go be the lead back, go be the bell cow somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, this just checked a lot of boxes for me. You know, we we talked about in the blueprints that we laid out over the past few weeks, Chris, supporting Carson Wentz. This is part of that. Arguably, I mean, find me a better backfield in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Marlon Mack, again, coming off the Achilles is notable, but this is a former 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, boy, you hate to look at, you know, just a quarter and a half, but the dude was <laughs> pretty right. impressive in that season opener against Jacksonville. Uh, and now you couple him with Taylor, and, and we'll get into a lot more of this throughout the offseason. I'm not worried about carries, splitting it up. Taylor deserves to be the bell cow without a doubt. But you need insurance, and this is the ultimate insurance policy. And I still think Naeem Hines has a very specific role that is necessary. So I'm not fretting over that. Um, I, I guess fantasy owners are a little bit. Um, but like you said, Chris, reasonable deal, one year, $2 million, and uh for both parties, this is a um, job well done by Chris Ballard and uh, and Marlon Mack. Yeah, secure that backfield. Yeah. Because we mentioned, you know. Support. What happens if, uh, unfortunately, Taylor goes down last right. year, then you're, you're, you're SOL. So. And, and, you know, Mack is different than Hines, and I feel like people have to realize that of, like, Naeem Hines is a very niche player. I don't want Naeem Hines to be my bell cow. That's not a knock on Naeem Hines. I still think yeah. he deserves to be here, get a second contract. I don't say that about a lot of running backs. But then if Taylor goes down for a significant period, I'll want a first and second down workhorse. And that's what Marlon has been in the NFL. And hopefully injury rehab going well, he can be that again. One of the guys that used to hand the ball off to Marlon Mack, Jacoby Brissett, heading down to Miami on another one-year deal. What are your thoughts there? Do you think we'll get a QB sneak statue of Jacoby next to Peyton? <laughs> that would be hilarious. Maybe. He he did it well. I mean, not going to lie he about did that. It incredibly well, and I, I'm not joking about that whatsoever. Um, in all seriousness, I, uh, I I wrote in the story about I'm like, you know, the short yardage. That's now Carson Wentz. Like <laughs> Frank Reich gushes about Carson Wentz about a lot of things, and we will hear from Carson Wentz by the way later today. Hopefully, it sounds like. I don't know. I mean, what the hell is Carson Wentz going to say that, like, deserves to be a breaking emergency podcast? We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Uh, but just FYI there. But Frank Reich is obsessed with Carson Wentz's ability to QB sneak, among other things. So I know it's not very high on the radar. Um, but, yeah, Jacoby, uh, great, great backup, Chris. Great, great backup. Um, clearly well-liked in that locker room. I thought he handled the ups and downs of his tenure here very well professionally. Uh, I think going to Miami makes a whole lot of sense for him. You know, Brian Flores pulled that plug pretty quickly yes, last year with with Tua. Now, Fitzmagic and Brissett are a little bit different, but still. Um, obviously, Flores has connections with Brissett from their New England days. Jacoby's a West Palm Beach guy, so he goes back home and uh, certainly has done a ton in, in, in our community here in Indy, um, but definitely in his home state as well. So um, good for him. I think Jacob Beeson will be the backup. You know, it's funny. I tweeted when the move happened, Chris. I tweeted um, 
something to the effect of like personally I'd roll with Eason as the backup. But someone from the Colts reached out to me and was like, you know, I think you're onto something there. Uh, right when that happened, and then also threw in the caveat of, and, and, and I kind of sent back to this person like, I just think you got to give him reps. Absolutely. Um, and, and by reps, I mean practice. Even reps. practice, yeah, right. Exactly. And 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 preseason reps, um, because we've mentioned this before, but it deserves another mention. When Philip Rivers got hurt this season, and then missed those Wednesday practices. Jacob Eason ran the scout team. It's not like he even ran the Colts system. So Jacob Eason has taken extremely limited reps running the Colts offense in his NFL career. Right. Practice reps. And this person was like, oh, yeah, definitely. you. That's spot on. Like, he needs reps. And if he struggles in the preseason, there is kind of a quarterback veteran market that typically is there, like, late August, early September. Um now, this will be an, a, a cringeworthy name to a lot of fans, but, like, the Colts were able to sign Brian Hoyer, you know, late in the preseason when Andrew Luck retired back in 2018, 2019. Yeah. So um, so I, I think that's how they're kind of viewing things right now. There, there are definitely still some veteran quarterback names out there. I don't think they're in the business of just get one to get one. I think they're like, all right, Jacob, have an offseason. Mm-hmm. See what you do in the preseason. As long as you don't fall on your face, you'll probably be the backup. If not. You know, we'll go find the A.J. McCarron of the world or the right. Chase Daniel of the world or whoever else out there. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that was another smart move by the Colts. No need to overpay for Jacoby Brissett and see what you potentially have in Jacob Eason. And then another person that we mentioned earlier in the podcast, obviously, the Danico Autry move down to Tennessee. Great contract for him. Good for him. Yeah, you know, um, Chris, this, is, this was a function of, again, Chris Ballard's approach to free agency. I think if the Colts would have handed to Nico Autry the type of contract that they did before legal tampering happened, I think there's a chance Nico Autry comes back as a Colt. But you let these guys get to the legal tampering period. Now they listen to offers. Right. And when you want them back, and if you're Autry and you're 30 years old, the contract matters. And it should. he's an undrafted free agent. It should matter. Like, that guy should care. Because when you're at that age, a lot of those guys get cut. They don't play out the three-year contract. Correct. So you need the guarantees as early in that contract as possible. And I think that was the difference. Um, you know, when we did the um, – remember when we did the green, yellow, red mm-hmm. free agents back early in the offseason? Archie was in the green group for me. Um, Rhodes and Al-Qadim Muhammad were the other two up there. Because I just view him as versatile, tough, three down, and I like that. Yeah. And even though he probably isn't a starter at defensive tackle, he could play early downs out at edge and then possibly slide inside and be a rush guy. So um, certainly a wake-up call to Tyquan Lewis. We'll see how the edge group plays out because I have no idea who you'd start (laughs) On day one right now, and it, of course, is very early in the offseason. But, boy, what a big contract year coming up for Tyquan Lewis. Yeah. I mean, now it's you are the Danico Autry mm-hmm. of this team. We know Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner are your starters, but you need guys on the rushdowns, and then potentially you need a guy outside as well. So um, I think Autry is the best free agent signing Chris Bauer has ever had. I know a lot of people would say, oh, no, it's Rhodes or Ebron or, or Rivers, but just they, they projected Autry. You know, here's a three-year deal to kind of a guy that's just been a guy. And he was a really good football player for the Colts. So um, it'll be fun seeing that intense human two times a year in the division. Quickly before before we jump into Twitter questions, any thoughts on Odom and the tender? Nothing really. You know, Odom, Pascal, Allie Cox at all. Um, You know, the Odom thing is... Good. Maddie Bonus found her laptop. Huge. Love it. Huge. That would have been a rough start to the Thursday morning as if <laughs> torrential downpour isn't enough outside. Um, Yeah, okay. I, I guess you're referencing Odom. The tweet. Ch- ch- chirping yeah. on Twitter a little bit. Uh, George Odom, to call him blunt, to call him straightforward, <laughs> would be an understatement. Um, and you know what, Chris? To play special teams like George Odom, you got to be you a little crazy. You have to. You, you got to be a little crazy. And look, I love it. I, I mean, I love crazy. And... Uh, I see where George Odom is frustrated. 
And I see why the Colts say, dude, we're paying you $2 million to be a special teamer. That's good money. So I have, I totally see both sides of it. I'm not sitting here acting like George Odom deserves some three-year extension of, you know, whatever, $8 million a year. Um, I think it's very interesting to note this, Chris. George Odom last year, I think he played in every game, nearly every game, yet he played 25 defensive snaps. That is an extremely small number for a sub-defensive back. I mean, the Colts had some blowouts early in the year. I mean, backups got in against the Jets. Backups got in against the Vikings. He only played 25 defensive snaps. So, like, the defensive value, boy, there wasn't much there. It's, you know, in the Colts' eyes for him. So, um, and clearly, if the Colts are going to be this, you know, frugal with their cap space, they're handing they're handing some big tenders to Ali Cox and Pascal, which I get those are key pieces, but you can't go much higher than that with Odom. Now maybe Odom thinks I, I deserve a multi year deal, something like that. Okay, um, I'm not too worried. I know Ty, you know he liked the Odom tweet. It's something to note, um, just because you know if you do, and part of this is just mid March. Mid March players love players so so much, mm-hmm. and they're going to defend players to the death especially when they're in contract situations. For the most part, I think Chris Bauer has a really good reputation inside that locker room. Um, so I, I don't worry too much about that stuff, but it is something to note just because it's T.Y. Now, it's T.Y. to contract year. Would T.Y. in the non-contract year act like that? Who knows? Yeah. Um, There's some games when back and forth. Why not? Yeah, a little bit. And, again, that's what mid-March is all about in the NFL, man. You know, there is a, definitely a back and forth, and both sides clearly have their agendas that they want. I get that. I respect that. I have no issue with giving Odom the tender that the Colts gave him. All right, Kevin. Well, let's jump into Twitter questions. Let's do it, man. First, uh, by the way, who you got final four? Jeez. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. Oh, boy. Don't go there on me. I've really not looked too much at it. I was going to wait till after the podcast to dive in because here's the thing that I do. I fill out. I start. I usually start right after Selection Sunday, okay. and I fill out like 42 different brackets. And they all end up the same in the, anyway. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait. And then I go back and forth and, and just mess with my own head. So, uh, a team I like is this. I like Texas. Yeah? But who are they? Who's the one seed in there? Michigan. Okay. But Alabama's a two, and I kind of like Alabama, too. Alabama, if, if shooting what's, – what, what's another thing that's going to be interesting to me is the teams that are playing in Lucas Oil Stadium based off playing in a traditional basketball arena. Right. Especially early on. I mean, some of these teams that are used to playing in those kind of environments are great, but when I went to the Big Ten, anyone who had never played in an environment like yeah. that, I took the under because those guys. Depth perception just, is, yeah. yeah. I still think back to Butler's national title game and NRG Stadium, and boy, they scored like 15 points in the first half. That was an awful yeah. championship game, yeah. So, All okay. right, Twitter time? Twitter time. First one's from Patrick. Okay. Says with who is left in free agency, what three players would you pick from this list to join the Colts, and what type of contract would you be willing to give? Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, Alejandro Villanueva, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sammy Watkins, Gerald Everett, Patrick Peterson, who was just signed, Richard Sherman, Neano, Keanu Neal, Melvin Ingram, or Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, and obviously by the time you listen to this, I assume some more of those names. I think Everett signed with the Seahawks as well. So, um... Uh, Patrick, I don't think, honestly, much of them scream, jump off the page at me. You know, the guy I really like is Keanu Neal, the safety from Atlanta. Um, but, like, you know, safety is probably one of the least important needs right now for the Colts this offseason. Um, you know, Schwartz or Villanueva come to mind. The Eric Fisher thing, I'm I, the Achilles worries me. You know, that was a January Achilles yeah. injury. That's a that's a 300-pound man. That's a little different than, um, you know, back in September for Marlon Mack. You know, edge rush wise, I don't know. Does Ingram have anything left in him? Clowney is just so underperformed in his career, and part of it is just you know you have a expectation assigned to you as the number one overall pick. So, right. um, I acknowledge that as well. But man, just out of that group, I mean, Galladay, Juju, I just don't see the Colts pursuing them. Watkins, I don't know, maybe there. Um, so yeah, sorry, Patrick. It's just it's a decent list, but. I don't know. No, nobody really jumps off at me. This is from Indy for Life. 
Hey, KB, do you think edge or left tackle will be addressed in the draft because we did squat so far and edge rushers are gone? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to do something in free agency, though, Chris. You can't just enter the draft with all your eggs in that basket. Now, having said that, I think early on what we're seeing is Chris Boward again is betting on himself in the draft, mm-hmm. which, you know, the success there speaks for itself. Now, I think that's a bit stubborn because I – I look at free agency as a avenue to build some more add, I should say, some more pieces to your roster. Again, it's not the roster building, but you can add. Um, and I want to have flex when I get to the draft. If the right guy's there and he plays a position that's not left tackle or edge rusher, but he's a stud, I want to take that stud and not think twice about it. So. Yeah, and, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd probably lean towards more of the draft, but I still think in free agency. And, and there are guys out there, let's be fair, I mean, there are guys out there that still could come in here and be starters for you, certainly. But it's just how impactful right. of players can they be for you compared to maybe some of the guys that came off the board, mostly at edge. Left tackle, I mean, outside of Trent Williams, anybody you get is probably going to be a downgrade from Anthony Costanza. Who, boy, did he set a bar for Quentin. Woo! <laughs> Big one. Nelson, biggest contract in NFL history, O-line-wise. I did love the fact that he barely went over Bakhtiari just to say he was the— And they were they were chirping on Twitter, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, they saw were. That, him, and, uh, him and Mitchell Schwartz. All right, this is from Will. Is it fair as a fan to somewhat be disappointed, though it's early in free agency? By no means am I coming for Chris Ballard's job, but I'm pretty tired of co- the continued narrative stating how great he is at signing underrated guys. The underrated guys get you to the playoffs. Sweet. Then you lose. Then the cycle starts over. Somewhat, sometimes a splash is needed. No. Again, super super early overreaction, but it's overreaction season. <laughs> Go get some dudes. Again, being petty here because Ballard has done a great job in signing low-risk free agents and getting solid players for them. But at some point, solid play just doesn't cut it when winning a Super Bowl is the goal. You know, Chris, this... Um Overreaction season is how Will calls it. I, you know, I'll be honest. I think that's a pretty fair and understandable gripe from Will. Um, I'll go back to something I said earlier. We don't have to treat free agency like it's a Madden video game, or it's the worst thing in the world, and you sit here and laugh at guys when they sign these contracts. There is a medium. There is a balance with it, and I think finding that balance is where you're most successful as a general manager. Yeah, you know, I think Will makes a good point there when he says, "Go get some dudes, <laughs> like guys or dudes." Dudes, yeah. You know, like, and that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like Justin Houston, Denique Autry, really solid signings. But then a Shaq Barrett or an Dominican Sue. I mean, some dudes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is where um, I side with Will on this. Um, and I also believe. The roster building and evolving that roster building, as we've talked about, Chris, you're at a point now where quality matters more than quantity. And it's a credit to Chris Ballard's roster building, really. I mean, he's gotten this roster to a point now where it's it's pieces and less chunks of roster that you have to totally overhaul or totally repair. So that's where I also believe um, you're, you were, are in a position to go and find that top-end quality a little bit more than the uh, than the quantity. This next one from Isaac, Kevin, I'm going to toss to you one at a time because he wants you to solve each need within either the draft, free agency, or current roster players. First off is cornerback. Okay, so give those to me again. You said solve each need with either the draft, free agency, or current roster players. Cornerback. Okay. Um, corner. I will say you still need to do something for agency, but I think they really like some of their guys on their own roster. Um, and obviously we'll see the Xavier Rhodes domino, right. how that plays out as well. Left tackle? Draft. Edge? Man, um, I mean, there's still some names in free agency, and I think you have to do something there in free agency. But I also think it's a position that you um, that you double down on. All right, one that the Patriots clearly love this offseason, tight end. <laughs> Do we have a Patriots question? Uh, someone might ask about Belichick. I have some thoughts on the Patriots. I do not. I don't believe I read one about Belichick, but I could be mistaken. Um, 
I'll 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 hold off. My mind will go down the Belichick route <laughs> at some point. Uh, tight end, I'll go draft. Okay. And then wide receiver. Yeah, I think own roster. To be honest with you. Now again, Ty, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, and, and a little bit of free agency. But um, I think Chris is pretty bullish on his wideout group. All right, we'll move on to a question from Jake. Since Chris Ballard is choosing to be cheap and apparently count on players who have disappointed so far in their careers, whew, which of the following players do you believe won't be disappointing weak link in the team? Rocky Sin, Ben Banigou, Tyquan Lewis, or Paris Campbell? By the way, this team, as constructed, won't win eight games. Mm, man, Jake. <laughs> Flames. Um. I'll say this, this team currently constructed, certainly not a Super Bowl team, but I don't know about eight games. I don't know. I don't know. It's early. It's mid-March. Let's let's see how things play out before we th- start throwing win totals out here. But they definitely need to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say there. You know, Chris, something that I feel like the offseason annually, an occurrence of it, is um, you send messages to your players through your actions. And... So far, the Colts, you know, could be sending some messages to guys like Rocky Seen and Ben Banigou and Tyquan Lewis and Paris Campbell of, hey, we believe in you. Um, show the blank up. Or we don't believe in you at all, and that's why we went out here and signed this dude and traded for this dude or yeah, you know, drafted point. this dude. So um, who do I believe in out of that four? Quartet, I would say Campbell, if healthy, certainly. Tyquan Lewis, I thought had some moments last year. Now, can he have those moments when he's rotating in more against maybe frontline guys, and he's not necessarily coming in as a sub rusher? Okay, we'll 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 see. Um, I'd put Rocky Seen third, and I put Ben Banigou fourth. Okay, you think about Banigou, Chris. Banigou played in like I don't know. You know, we know he's a healthy scratch for over half the season. The games he played in, I don't think he had one hit or a sack. Like that that's hard to do. You just fall into one of those, yeah, right? Um, and that goes back to my a little bit of the issue I had with Justin Houston. You know, I've talked about there are times I left Lucas Oil Stadium thinking, did Justin Houston play in that game? I went back and looked it up. There were eight games last season, so half the season, where Justin Houston either had he had no more than one tackle and zero sacks in that game. So, like, either no sacks, no right. tackles, or just one tackle and no sacks. Like, that's what we talk about of just a little bit more consistency out of that position to where it's not just you have two sacks and then you take three games where you ha- you combine for two tackles in those three games. Like, okay, at the end of the day, you add up. If that happens every quarter, you have eight sacks at the end of the year. People look at that and be like, oh, yeah, it's, that's decent. But you just love more consistency. And I know it's difficult, but – I think that should be the expectation when you have the interior presence that you have. Well, David's question kind of sticks to that point. So he says, with the impulse, this is an impulsive question, he says, but sitting here watching the Colts let Danico Autry and most likely Justin Houston walk out the door and see every top pass rusher get signed for not terrible contracts, why does Chris Ballard refuse to address the position of need with the proven player? Can't fix everything in free agency, I know but you can't fix everything in the draft either. One more quick question. Why, unlike most of the NFL, do the Colts never restructure contracts under free, and to free up more cap to and rebuild those re, really build this contender? Pardon me. Yeah, you know, David, I obviously agree with a lot of that, and I think we've covered a good amount of that. And specifically with the Autry thing, it goes back to, you know, taking care of some of your own before the tampering period begins. Um, the whole restructure thing, it's just... First off, I don't think the Colts have a ton of, like, bad cap situations to, like, need to do that. Again, this is not a cap space issue. Is it a cash issue? Who knows? And that's a whole different, like, path to go down, and and, and it is just mind-numbing to discuss that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I won't bore anyone with that. I just think it's more belief and philosophy. That's what it comes down to. This is not a, a massive, you know... We've got these these huge extensions that are coming up, and you have to commit all the cap space to that. That is not true. Don't let that narrative be the narrative that defines this offseason for the Colts because that's just not true, and I feel like I'm 
who is it? Dennis Green? That's not true. Or no, Mike Gundy or I don't know. If yeah, he, Mike Gundy. Yeah, that's not, that's true. not true. I'm a man. <laughs> blah blah blah. Um, it's belief. It's philosophy. That's what it is. That's what it comes back to for Chris Ballard, um, and his approach. All right, Kevin, this one comes from Tanner, who's pretty heated, so I'm going to edit this one just a bit. Oh, boy. It says, I love Chris Ballard, and I think he's great at drafting, but what the F is going on? We need a damn we need a damn edge rusher, and now Danico Autry is gone too. Looks like we're going into next year with another mediocre edge rush. I wouldn't be concerned if his track record was good when it came to drafting defensive end, but he sucks at that. I know it's an emotional response, but I want your thoughts. Yeah, Tanner, um, fired up, and, and, and we love passion, so thank you for being passionate. Um, yeah, it is a bit confusing to me, too. And I'll go back to what I said earlier, Chris. This was the one position that I felt like I was locked in on of like, oh, boy, wow, yeah. these guys are hitting the open market. Here's Bud Dupree. Here's Carl Lawson. Here's um, – you know, Shaq Barrett and Romeo Cora hit the open market. Now they were resigned. Like the franchise tag wasn't used as much at that edge rush spot as I thought it was. Um, and like you said, Tanner, when you've struggled in the draft, and it's not just struggling in the draft, Chris. I think it's the fact that expecting that position to come in here and give you instant production at a high level day one, that's a whole lot. Not to mention three-down production on day one. I mean, boy, any rookie that does that, that's rare. That right. is extremely rare. So I think for all those reasons, that's why it added up to you should commit to some serious resources at the edge rush group. And I also think edge rush, and I know we've talked about this, it, it can mask things. It's similar to quarterback on offense. If you have an effective edge rushing group, pass rush in general, maybe you don't need the elite corner play that some other teams might need if their pass rush is struggling. So that's another reason why I'm uh, such a fan of that position. All right, quickly, one more just about pass rush before we jump to some other positions. This one's from Juan, who first off wants to say he hopes Rosie's doing well and is happy and healthy. Thank you, Juan. She's doing great, man. She uh, just had her nine-month appointment uh, earlier this week. She's motoring. There we go. Motoring around the house. I mean, I'll tell you what. Maddie's got a bachelorette party this weekend, so it's me and Rosie. Uh-oh. Me, Rosie, and Ball. That's right. And I hope Rosie is uh, ready to hear the shoes squeak and the ball get tipped. <laughs> Uh, we can incorporate some other time for some toys and whatnot, and we, we can multitask. But, Rosie, when you live in this state, oh, ho, 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 let's go. There you, you go. me, couch. I can crawl. I'll crawl around with you a little <laughs> bit there. Once my back starts hurting, I might go back to the couch for a few minutes. But we're going to watch some uh, We're gonna watch some hoopage. There we go. Love it. Juan wants to know, he says, wow, the move by the Titans, Kevin. What do you think? He says, I know Ballard works, but. I know how Ballard works, but these moves in the division are a bit worrying to me. Everyone is signing elsewhere. He needs to at least spend on a good pass rusher. He has to. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, their their defense, I thought, was their Achilles heel at times. And specifically, I just feel like their defensive front lacked a little potency. Jeffrey Simmons, a really good player. But um, Bud Dupree, if healthy, coming off the ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, you know, him and Autry and Jeffrey Simmons and, you know, who knows, Harold Landry, and I know I'm probably forgetting a couple others up front. It's, it's a pretty good group that Mike Vrabel is starting to put together there. So, I mean, right now I look at the division and I see Tennessee and I see Indianapolis and I see a big drop. I think Watson's getting traded, man. Do you? I do. I just – I think it's gotten to this point where it's like they're dug. They're dug. And you got to do it before the draft. Yeah, him and Russell, it'll be interesting to see where those guys end up if they end up anywhere. Let me let me sneak in the whole Patriots stuff here, okay? Okay. Wild, right? Yeah. I would say, Chris, no team has drafted worse than the NFL over the last five years than the New England Patriots. I mean, look at their drafts. It has been horrific. Well, when you draft 46 rounders every year. It's <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, they do a lot of trading back and yeah. all of that. But it is an absolute laugh. And, and, boy, Colts fans always need to laugh at the Patriots for something. Boy, it's a joke. Like So that's why they have this cap space. That's why they don't need to re-sign some of their own. And then also, Chris, part of me thinks Belichick has earned the ability to do something this drastic. And I know that might sound a little weird to people. But basically, Bill Belichick, you know, greatest football coach, whatever, of all time, 
He's 68. Cam Newton's coming back for another year. He goes to Robert Kraft and says, Bob, did you watch the Super Bowl? Did that piss you off? It pissed me off. We got to do something. We got to do something crazy. And this is crazy. Like, they literally signed those two tight ends, Henry and Johnny Smith. They, they drafted two tight ends in the third round last year. Yep. Like, what? You never see teams do that. And so I kind of respect it. Like, Belichick's going to Kraft and saying, Buffalo is a class of this division right now. They're young. I've got five years left, or however many years he has left. Let's do something out of the ordinary. And Kraft's like, all right, you've earned it. I've won all these Super Bowls. Like, I don't, yeah, I'm not necessarily, I don't think Robert Kraft's in a position where it's like, oh, let's find the QB of the future and let's groom them and let's, we'll be good in 2027. Like, no, no, no. So I kind of respect it because it's so outlier and it's kind of wild. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I'm not sitting here acting like it's going to work, but I do think it's pretty crazy. So, Bill say Bob. Deshaun has some masseuse allegations as well. Oh, boy. You went there. <laughs> Jeez. Can clear the name. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, money talks. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I need you to put your Madden cap on. Okay. Ghost visible. What is your ideal left tackle? You get to pick their height, their weight, their style of play, and any left tackle all time that could look like, or has there been any left tackle all time that could look like your ideal left tackle? Oh boy, jeez, Walter Jones. I keep on coming back to him. That dude was a behemoth. Give me an athlete, you know, Chris. I I love a good little basketball background from okay. a footwork standpoint. Um, I'm not like stringent on you know six. I don't know six six three hundred. I'm not. I don't need three forty over there, and I don't need six eight over there. Now I don't want six four two ninety, but um, you guys are just such freaks out there, Chris. And you're on. And I mean. Edge rushers are such freaks out there. And you're on an island. I'd rather have the athlete that can, when stuff breaks down, you know, you've got some length and you've got some footwork that can make up for it. Um, and I trust my coaching staff to teach technique. So that's how probably I, uh, I look at it. That's a great, great question. Very unique question. All right, Kevin, this one's from Yuri again. What's your opinion on moving Desmond Patman to the tight end? If you look at the pictures when he was with Wentz, and Pittman Jr., his size and frame really suited the tight end. Yeah. Um, boy, he's a good-looking athlete, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a thick boy. I think he's 225 is what they list him at. And, of course, this is, like, always the popular question about, oh, you know, you're deep at this position, <laughs> you know. Bulk up and move somewhere else. Um I think it's pretty rare. I, I watch Patman. I don't know if he plays with the physicality of kind of like a tight end, you know, of kind of an inline guy and whatnot. Can he block? I mean, hell, that's a that's True. a huge question as well. So, yeah, I think Desmond Patman is going to be a wide out. Um, fair question, but it just seems rare that that happens in the NFL. seems like much more of a college thing. From Colton, what are the chances we sign a pass rusher around the Romeo Acura tier and draft a pass rusher before the fourth round? Yeah, obviously, they'll send him before the Romeo. Um, I think that position, getting multiple resources, is key, Chris. I mean, right now, if you look at the roster, Taekwon Lewis and how much edge did he even play, Ben Banigou and Kamoko Ture, I mean, those are the guys that yep. would play the most defensive end snaps for you. And, and really, Ture is not a first-down guy for you. So, um, yeah, I think you need to go both, but that's starting to dry up a bit. From Jason, with several teams cutting offensive line for cap purposes, it looks like many teams could be drafting offensive linemen this year. Does that put pressure on the Colts to stay at 21 for a left tackle? For the record, I don't think Nelson should move to the left tackle. Um, Not necessarily. I mean, we know offensive tackle is important, but I also think there's pretty good depth in the first you know, 50-some picks. So, again, I, I, I hate to start the draft on Thursday, April 29th, and be like, all right, I don't care what the board looks like. All we care about is when the tackles come off. And I, I just don't think that's a way to approach the draft. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it. I don't think it puts a lot of pressure on the Colts to stay. You know, stay there again. I think there's pretty good depth. Matt wants to thank you for recently answering one of his questions. You bet, Matt. Thanks for sending, man. Feels like you have awesome coverage throughout the playoffs and the off season, and he hasn't asked one in a while, so he has a few in mind. Okay. 
Matt Ever Matt Eberflus stayed in Indy, which feels like a really important and rarely discuss, discussed topic, given the excellence of our defense. Says, I feel like fans latch onto needing to be a top five team before giving credit, but nobody can deny the overall performance of our defense and that has dramatically improved. Who is the heir should Eberflus leave? Are you hearing buzz on what that might be? This feels like the biggest potential for us to go from a top D to middling or worse. You know, Matt, I haven't heard a lot of buzz, to be frank with you. The system is not going to change. Definitely, Chris Boward is a staunch believer in this scheme. Um, you know, in-house, you've got Alan Williams, who has been a defensive coordinator in the league before, safeties coach right now. Um, and I'll also just kind of reiterate something I said back in January. I'm not a... I'm not sold on Matt Eberflus being a head coach. You know, he's yeah. had some interviews. Um, and I also believe this defense can still take another jump. Like, I don't, uh, top five, I don't know if I'd call him top five. I mean, last, once the whole season played out, they kind of regressed a little bit more to around 10 ish in, in, in the key category. So, um, yeah, I guess it's something that Frank Reich certainly has thought about because Matt Eberflus has interviewed elsewhere. But, um, you know, when you're a defensive coordinator, man, uh, you know, the five or six openings, probably only one or two are going to go to a D.C. And is Eberflus going to be that? What, you know, is Todd Bowles the right. next defensive coordinator to get a head coaching job? Um, so, yeah, fair, fair question, Matt. But this system certainly is not going anywhere. All right, let's talk about the logistics of the upcoming season, Kevin, with a question from Trevor. Is the 2021 season going to have 17 games? Says I read that we would decrease preseason to three games as well. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Thanks for making my commute something to look forward to. Oh, I appreciate that, Trevor. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. 17 games. Uh, I think Peter King had it a few weeks ago that the Colts would play the Bucks. Um, the formula for that, basically what he's saying is you go off the division, the NFC division, or the, I should say the opposite conference division you played in 2019. Okay. And then where you were at in the final standings lined up with that team. So this year, Tampa Bay finished second Perfect. in the division. Indianapolis finished second in the division as well. So boom, there you go. Um, boy, that's a juicy matchup. I think it's in Indy as well, is what Peter King was saying. Awesome. Basically what you'll do is all... AFC teams will have a home game one year. All NFC NFC teams will have the extra home game the next year, which okay. makes a lot of sense as well. So, still some logistics to play out. Virtual owners meetings, I think, are coming up in a few weeks, so I'm sure that'll get finalized there. I like that. Yeah. Question from Tim: I believe because the draft the draft talent is deep at tackle, combined with the restricted cap, that we are seeing solid veterans being released. This should offer value to Ballard for Ballard to choose or to go veteran free agent tackle and try to add a dynamic player at 21. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear this idea. Um, I think even if you don't do something of note, though, Chris, add offensive tackle and free agency, that board has still got to be open. you got to be open-minded. Um, yeah, you have a preference and you have a position that probably makes the most sense. Similar to wideout, honestly, last year with, with Michael Pittman. But then look at the Jonathan Taylor pick. I mean, that, that was not a position of need, but the right, in the Colts' eyes, you know, the right player was there. They're going to trade up and make a move there. All right, six more. This one's from Wyatt, and he's really intrigued with the release of Eric Fisher and knowing that Chris Ballard was with Fisher when they took him first overall in Kansas City. What are your thoughts of bringing him back, especially coming off the Achilles injury? Yeah, and I know I think Raj slid in my DMs a little bit earlier and asked this as well. Um, again, an offensive lineman at that age, Chris, torn Achilles, and you know, play a bulk of the games. I don't love that phrase. You know, I kind of want someone that's going to be in there for mm -hmm. build some continuity. You know, with that five-man group, that would be a worry to me as well. Tanner had something pop up on his Facebook page, and he knows there's no substance to it whatsoever. But oh he boy. felt like <laughs> that, that sounds like Facebook, Tanner. <laughs> but thought he would get your reaction on Terrell Basham possibly coming back. Wow, there's a name. Um, boy, he's on the edge rush list right now. You know, I honestly thought Hassan Reddick. So he just signed with yeah. Carolina, I believe. Mm -hmm. He was a guy that, if it wasn't Malik Hooker, I think the Colts would have taken Hassan Reddick in that 2017 draft early in that first round. Um, yeah, I, I don't... 
I just don't feel like Basham is the same pop athletically as some others. Um, it's just weird to me, like, the Colts cut him in October after they had made that scheme change. You know, they had the 3-4 the first year. Then they go to the 4-3, right. and they cut him a month into that season. It's like, whoa. All I hear from Chris Ballard often is it takes time for edge rushers. It's not like they needed the roster spot in some dire situations. So I know we had some moments with the Jets. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly not something you see. I know I think New England's bringing back um, Ted Karras. You know, like you, you sometimes see guys go back to their home, but I don't know. That was kind of a weird fallout. We got a fun one from Daniel and one that we get every so often. Said he's a diehard fan and fan and really selective about what jersey he buys. Over his life, he's owned a Falk, a Peyton, mm-hmm. Bob Sanders, and Luck jersey. Uh-huh. Who should be his next nod? He's leaning towards Leonard, but he's not a hundred percent. Daniel, I'd rock Bob Sanders every game. <laughs> you know, the people just let you go in front of them in line. They'll yep. say, oh, "Oh, beer guy, he's coming to you first. You know, I I would go that route to be honest with you, Daniel. Um. Well, I mean, you could go Jew. I mean, you go, you go, you know, top flight. You go Nelson. You go Leonard Buckner. My Kenny Moore. Um, I kind of like the second tier jerseys. Um, I like a Grover Stewart jersey and just maybe first name. Um, Kari Willis. Something like How he plays the game. Um, yeah, you got any? Oh, you know, I'm a big specs guy. Ooh. You do the rec specs. Um, I don't know, man. You wear kicker jerseys and they miss. Boy, you're not getting – you. yeah, they aren't letting you cut in line. I do like your Grover one. That's good. What do you think about Wentz, number two? I like how it was announced. I don't know if that's necessarily how the Colts wanted it announced, but I like that Giovanni was able yeah, to kind of send that out cool. on Twitter. Yeah, uh, obviously someone that Carson has built a very strong relationship with back in Philadelphia. And um, I think two – he was 20 in high school. Okay. Was Maybe he? that was part of it, and you know, I don't. Know, he was eleven in Philly, so <laughs> one plus one is two. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a very big numbers human. I know a lot of people are, but yeah, I'm not. You know, I, I guess, just don't play like Brian Hoyer did in number two, and it'll be fine. Okay, Kev, I lied earlier. I guess we do have a Patriots sort of question. This one's from Connor. Could okay. you see the Colts giving up picks for Stephon Gilmore if he became available? He could be the corner we need if healthy. No, I don't. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, no, I don't. I don't think he means the, as much to the Colts as what New England would want in return for him. Yeah. Um. So no. And I mean, again, the draft picks. He got six of them. Not a ton. From Cameron, maybe he's still maybe he's still trying to start, but Alex Smith seems like the exact kind of guy that Ballard would bring into the locker room to back up Wentz. Yeah, Cameron, I, I think there's a lot of validity. Like, Alex Smith does seem like the type of guy that Chris Ballard would bring in, but I'll go back to what I said earlier. They seem content right now with letting Jacob Eason um, get the reps, try and prove himself in August, and then see what happens in late August. Last one comes from JD. says, hey, Kevin, Chris, love your accessibility to answering us, us fans' ridiculous questions. <laughs> <laughs> says, I have one I'd love for you to hear and your take on. Not something I necessarily agree with, but my brother threw out a hot take for, after trading for Wentz is a lazy move by Frank Reich. He feels like he did the same with Rivers due to the familiarity with the system and the same with Wentz. says he feels like Frank is just rummaging for a quarterback. He doesn't have to work too hard to get up to speed. What is your take on that? Um, I I wouldn't call it lazy. I don't know. Lazy is such a negative connotation. I'd call it comfortable. And then, like, it's part of why you believe it will succeed. Like, you have this familiarity with him. Um, so, yeah, I don't – I mean, again, lazy. Like, it's still going to take some work. Let's not act like Carson Wentz just walks in the building and Frank Reich doesn't have to work. I mean, you, you – there's no lazy yeah. with that. Frank Reich's got to have to be very hands-on with this. But I just think it's more of a comfort thing. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys know where I stand on this. I, I'm more of a risk-taker at quarterback uh, and, and thought trading up in the draft would have been the route to go. But I understand why the Colts shied away from taking that risk. Um, I can fully, fully acknowledge that as well. So, um, so yeah, J.D., that's uh, brother hot take. Yeah, lazy. 
sure. Um, I guess I'll go with a little bit more of a content with being comfortable. And I do think there is a reason to side with that. I mean, we all are creatures of habit. You know, I think that's just a human instinct, and I think that plays into Frank's uh, yeah Frank's decision making here. Okay, JD was the last one on the Twitter docket this week. Oh boy, we got to end it quick, as you know, news is going to break, man. I, the longer we go, the more <laughs> it happens. Luckily, it seems like news doesn't really break early in the mornings. I don't know. That was part of my thinking and recording this early. So he's Chris Pressy. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll see the emergency pod if we do need one here. If not, I like a Monday or Tuesday pod next week. Get back into our uh, kind of in-sync rhythm there that you guys are used to. So everybody have a great week. Enjoy the ball. Enjoy free agency as well. Stay safe. Happy St. Patrick's Day belated to everyone out there. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.